mountains are still being moved. Hello, and welcome to Raising the Standard with Pastor Owen Moody of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. You're invited to join us each Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for an anointed full-length message from Pastor Moody. After the message, we'll be back to let you know how you can contact us. On this podcast, Pastor Moody brings us a message entitled, A Word from God to You. His scripture text to be taken from the book of Psalms, chapter 119, verses 103 through 105, and John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. Here now, Pastor Moody. Amen. Psalms 119. I'm just going to be brief this morning. We've worshiped and shouted and danced till I'm 62. I shouldn't act like that, but it's fun when you do it. Psalm 119, verse 103 says, How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through thy precepts, or thy words, thy teachings is what that means, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way, everything that's not of the word. Verse 5, probably everyone can quote it. Thy word, amen, is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. In John chapter 1, the Bible said, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Verse 14 of that chapter says, and the word became flesh, came to us, dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, even as the glory of the only begotten of the Father. Um, Probably a week or so ago, the Lord spoke to me, I believe, one day in prayer, and dealt with me with this message, with this thought. I'm going to preach to you for a little while this morning on a word from God to you. A word from God. You know, how many ever been in a place where somebody gave a word, a prophetic word, a word in tongues or an interpretation, and you felt like it was for everybody but you? And then sometimes you heard some and you thought it was for nobody but you. But I've got a word for all of you this morning, and it's from God and it's for you. That's the title of my message. A word from God to you. Look at your neighbor and say, it's for you. There was a life-changing, history-making word that came to us from God. Of course, that word was Jesus who was in the beginning with God. The Bible said in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was void and without form darkness was upon the face of the deep. And then God said, let there be light. And the Spirit of God began to move. There you see the Trinity in the creation. And suddenly there was, as theologians say, order out of chaos. And God began to make something out of nothing. I thought about how powerful the word is, what it means to us. And when I think about 
John the Beloved, the Beloved Apostle, who, who was a part of the twelve, more than that, he was the three of the three that were Jesus' inner circle. And even beyond that, he was the one, the scripture says plainly, that laid his head upon the breast of Jesus. Man, that's close. Can you say amen? And can I tell you that John was really sold on the idea that Christ was the word that came to us. I, I quoted you that out of John 1 and 1. Well, then in 1 John 1 and 1, he said, that which was from the beginning, which we've heard, which we've seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled, listen to this phrase, of the word of life. The word of life. We handled, we touched the word of life. John 1 said he, he was in the world, he was a light, and that light was the life of men. And so when I started to, to look at this in First John 5 and 7, John went on and said again, for there are three that bear record in heaven. And he doesn't say the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. He says the Father, the Word. Say that with me. The Word and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. You see, Jesus is God's word to you. God sent Christ to you. Now, when you read the word, the scripture, he said, lo, I'm in the volume of the book. He's in every chapter. Uh, hallelujah. I want to shout it. He's on every page. Amen. He is, uh, amen, uh, revealed. He's, um, he's prophesied, concealed in the Old Testament. He's revealed in the four gospels. And then he is taught in the epistles and in the, in the book of Acts and in the Revelation. And so when I started to think how important it is for us to grasp this idea that God sent us a word, that word, can I say it, was a love letter. And when you read this love letter, this Bible, this gospel, when you understand, I've, I've heard different numbers, the best estimation I can get from uh, reading after smarter men than me, wiser men than me, is there's something like 6,000 promises in the Bible to the believer. Hallelujah. The Bible said all of them are yea and amen. It means they're as good as done. Amen. And the promise of heaven's enough to make me shout forever. But there's 5,999 others in there. Praise God, they're just as good. And so when I begin to think about what it means that it's a word to you, when you read the word, this love letter from God, in other words, it's personal. God is speaking to you when you read it or hear it. Listen to what Paul, the writer of Hebrews, said in Hebrews 4 and 12. He said, for the word of God is quick, that means alive, and it's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword in Hebrews 4 and 12, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joints and marrow, and is a discerner. In other words, it understands the thoughts and the intents of the heart. In other words, that's what the word does in every individual. Once you get the word in you, you're never the same. The Bible said it doesn't return void. It prospers the thing whereunto it's sent. Oh, hallelujah. I'm about to shout right here. Some of you all been sitting here for months, weeks, years, days, whatever long it's been, looking at me and listening to me stand up here and preach this word, quote these scriptures, and you wonder what it's doing. Let me tell you what it's doing. It's a seed that never returns void. It always prospers whereunto it's sent. Brother Henry, one man may plant and another man may water and God may shine some sun upon it and after a while you're going to feel something sprouting in your life that is supernatural hallelujah give him praise if you believe it Albert Barnes in his commentary on Hebrews 4 and 12 said this 
He said, the design of this and the following verses is obvious. It is to show that we cannot escape the notice of God. <laughs> Ooh, you ought to shout right there. You can go wherever you want to, God's still looking at you. You can go wherever you want to, God still cares about you. You can go down as far as you want to, God's still reaching for you. My God, you cannot escape the notice or God paying attention to you when he puts that word in your life. Woo, glory to God. So when, in other words, God is looking into our hearts with the light of his word. Now, I've been amazed over the years to find how precisely the word has spoke to various issues in my life. It truly is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. God's word truly is sweeter than honey. It's through the word that we get understanding. The Bible, Jesus said, search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. And, and you know what he was saying? If you dig in it, you'll be sure of it. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Man, we ought to just stop and take a praise break right there. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost all over me. I don't know whether it runs, preach, shout, or do what. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying the word is alive. I'm saying the word is powerful. I'm saying the word will save you. I'm saying the word, Psalm 107 and verse 20, it said he sent his word and healed you and delivered you. Dear God, somebody ought to shout. It's the prescription for every of affliction hallelujah the word of god the question is how how does it work in my life how do i appropriate it how do i get it hallelujah i used to get those things in the mail all the time from the publisher's clearing house that told me I was on a select list, that the number had been narrowed down, and that I was about to be a publisher sweepstakes winner. But lo and behold, every time I opened every one of them, it was just a gimmick to get me to try to buy, get, try to get me to buy magazines. Somebody help me right there. But I want to tell you, I got a notice from heaven. It's <laughs> woo. It, it's not the publisher's clearinghouse. No, but it's God Almighty's provision. And the Bible says that, that he loadeth us daily with benefits. And the scripture says, glory to God, that, that he'll meet every need according to his riches and glory and give you the desires of your heart. You just need to know how to get in touch with it. Oh, let me tell you, if you're, if you're a sinner, how many in this house used to be a sinner? Hallelujah. Well, if you are a sinner, I got a word from God for you. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And I can testify it works. I can testify that if you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus that God has raised him from the, from the dead and you bank all of your hopes, your dreams, your eternity, your future on that sure and certain hope of the resurrection. He said if you live and believe in me, you will never die. And though you were dead, you might say, preacher, I'm twice dead. I'm plucked up by the root. I'm dead in sin. I'm on drugs. I'm in bondage. I've cheated. I've lied. I've stole. I've done this. I've done that. I want to tell you, it reaches to the highest mountain. And 
it flows to the lowest valley. Oh, it's the blood that gives me strength. It'll never, ever lose its power. Give him praise if you will. Woo! Help me, Lord. Help me preach. Now, I want to say, first of all, the word he says in chapter, in verse five is a lamp under my feet and a light under my path. In other words, the entrance, Psalms 100, verse 130 of Psalms 119 says, the entrance of thy words giveth light. In other words, God says all of this is there. And the moment you crack the leather, <laughs> the moment you ruffle the pages, the moment your eyes peruse the scripture, suddenly there's this floodlight that flashes on in your soul. Oh, glory to God. Two billion Muslims on this planet are dying in darkness trying to find some light in that Quran. I've, I've read about it, read through it, read seen some. There ain't no light in it. But the moment you open this, there is light because it is the word of the living God. Hallelujah. Your word gives, uh, there's entrance of, of thy words give light. Second Peter 1 and 19 said, amen, we have a, sh a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto you do well to take heed as unto a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arises in your heart. The moment you embrace Jesus, the day is dawned. The moment you say yes to God's offer of scripture, the moment you begin to trust him, suddenly the light comes on. The day has dawned. The dark is over. Can I tell you, you can't make progress in this world without it. You amble and wander around in the darkness. Amen. Amen. It's, but it's always available. This light is inextinguishable. The kids used to say, this little light of mine, Satan can't blow it out. Hallelujah. No, I'm going to let it shine. Glory to God. It conquers darkness. God determines your ability to shine. You determined. Amen. God determines your ability to shine and you determine your willingness to shine. God said, I put a light in you. You're a city on a hill that you can't be hid. And you might say, preacher, I'm not shining very much. Then you just need to get back into the word of God. Let the word begin to shine in you. It'll illuminate through you. It'll bust out of you. You can't hide it, can you say, man? It's not darkness, it's light. And thank God, it'll be a salvation to a dying man or a woman if you shine it. Praise God. So this light guides you. It guides you in your decision to come to Christ. Listen, if you feel like you need to get saved, you ought to praise God right there if you're not saved because Satan would never tell you that. Satan would tell you you don't need it. Satan would tell you you can do it later. Satan would tell you there's another day. There's been many a man believe that and died and went to hell. Can I get a witness? But the moment God touches your heart, whether it's in this service or driving down that car or laying in your bed, and you begin to feel that, 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 uh, that intensity of that pounding in your chest, or you might not feel that at all. You might just begin to feel an urgency in your spirit or just a knowing in my heart, I need God. I need Jesus. How many's glad for the day when the Holy Ghost shined the light in you and saw the darkness and made you aware of it, and you said, I need to get saved. Glory to the Lamb of God. I talked to a 
lady yesterday that I've known for many years and, and she's been out of church for a while and I just I looked up her number and got on the phone and called her and I said, I'd love to see you in church. I said, some of your family's coming. They're getting in. They're praising God. You've been on my heart. I said, you need to get back to church. You need to get back to God. You know what she said? I know I do. I've been thinking about that. I know I need to get in. And I just really prayed that she'd be here this morning. She's not, but she's coming. A friend of mine that's been a friend for many years uh, sent me a text. Uh, I think it was Wednesday and said, are you preaching tonight? Now that's the problem. They're coming to see me and not the light. Uh, and he said, are you preaching tonight? I text back, I am. He said, I thought about coming. I said, I'd love to see you. He said, well, that's been so long. I don't know what people think. I said, they'd think a long lost brothers come home. Hallelujah. We'll have a party if you show up. Amen. He didn't show up. I got up early this morning or, or no, actually it was last night. I sent him another text said, hey, just wanted to let you know I am preaching in the morning and I'd love to see you there with your family. Come on, Jesus is coming. That's what I said to him. He's not here, but I'm not giving up because God's shining a light. He, I didn't ask him to send me that text. God's shining a light. God put that mother on my heart. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? If God's doing something, then surely we ought to be willing to let him do it through us. Hallelujah. Give him praise if you would. Hallelujah. Let me go on. Let me go on. The second thing I want to say about this light and the word is the word. Not only does it shine to the darkness for unbelievers, but the word of God is nourishment to believers. Oh, it's a lamp under my feet. Listen to what he said. Your word is sweet to my taste. It's sweeter than honey in my mouth. From your, under, from your precepts, your teaching, I get understanding. It causes me to hate every false way. I love light. The Bible said that men in John 3, it said men uh, love, the, they hate the light and they love the darkness and they reject Christ because of that. But I love the light. I love to walk in the light as he's in the light. Have fellowship one with another. And then that precious blood, oh, it reaches to the highest mountain. Wherever I'm at, it goes to the lowest valley. When I'm walking with him and we're in fellowship, the blood of his son cleanses me from all unrighteousness. Paul said, be not conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind with this word the Bible said it's the washing of the water of the word it's like a foot washing that Jesus did in the upper room the more you're in it the more it bathes you off and listen you're clean on the inside can I get a witness but how many knows walking through this world of cussing lying cheating half naked people running around flaunting what they've got you need a washing of the water of the word Woo! I'm preaching better than your child to stir up your your pure mind and keep you sanctified. Hallelujah. <laughs> glory, 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 glory. The word is a nourishment. We all need a healthy appetite for God's word. First Peter 2 and 2, the new Christians. As newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you'll grow thereby. You and I will never grow spiritually without a constant diet of God's word. Listen, you can be saved 20 years and still be a child in understanding of God's word if you don't study it prayerfully and search it out and dig it out and let it say things. I'm amazed after 36 years when I listen to other preachers and, and Brother Nick, they'll say things from the word that I've preached 
preached from those texts a thousand times and didn't see what they saw. And God will say something to me or they'll reveal some truth from scripture that he'd never revealed to me. That doesn't make me mad. That excites me. Glory to God. It tells me there's a well of unfathomable depths in this word of God. And hallelujah, it's there for my nourishment. It's marrow to my bones. Glory to God. Do you me understand what I'm saying when the scripture says it'll make you fat. It'll delight you. It doesn't mean chubby. That word fat means strong. It represents strength in the scripture. Glory to God. The more of this I get, the stronger I get. The more of God, I feel like Bill Frank Foster said one time, I could hang over hell by a thread and shout boo at the devil when I get filled up with the word or charge hell with the water pistols. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You can't get that unless you get this. Am I all right here? Yes. Now, let, me, let, me, let me go on. Hebrews 5 and 12 said there was a time when you ought to be teachers and you still need somebody to teach you. Hebrews 5 and 13 said everyone that uses milk is unskillful. But 14 says strong meat belongs to them that are a full age who by, by reason have their senses, their knowledge exercised to discern both good and evil. Listen, I think those of you in the medical profession know this, that one of the most dangerous symptoms that you see in an individual with any uh, ailment is loss of appetite. That's one of the first things the doctors ask you. When you go to them, if you got a pain in your head, how's your appetite? you got a pain in your foot, how's your appetite? I mean, what's that guy? You know, I'm feeling a little rough. How's your appetite? Are you eating? They, they, it's, it's necessary to have an appetite. Glory to God. I mean, some of us got good appetites. Hallelujah. That's why this fasting is a little bit rough on us. Praise God. What we're doing is separating from the world system and, and dedicating ourselves to God's system for 21 days. Ain't nothing wrong with that, can you? As a matter of fact, it makes plenty of sense to me. Amen. But they'll ask about your appetite. Can I tell you, I believe that one of the first symptoms of a dying Christian is a loss of appetite. Uh, I've got other things to do more important than the word. I need to get to McDonald's. You've got to, you're sick. There's something wrong with you. I need to get to the steakhouse ahead of the other church. You've got a problem. There's something wrong with you. Am I preaching all right? I don't need to come to church on Sunday night. That little that little uh, brunch that you served, uh, this is just a brunch as you get here on Sunday morning. You know what brunch is? That's the time between breakfast and lunch when you eat. I'm just serving up a Sunday morning brunch. Come back this afternoon. We'll, amen, we'll have a lupper. That's the time between lunch and supper, praise God, and we'll try to feed you just a little bit more. I'm telling you, you need an appetite. You need to be hungry for the word of God, for the worship of God, for the not for the touch of God. I'm hungry because blessed are they that hunger. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? They shall be filled. Turn around and look at somebody and say, if you're hungry, you're at the right place. You can get filled up here today. Let me go on. So the word all of a sudden becomes a nourishment to us. Jesus himself said, man, he told the devil out there in that wilderness and the devil tempted him. He said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word of God. I know a lot of people would eat too many cheeseburgers and not near enough Bible. Any of y'all remember Popeye cartoons? Now some of you old, remember Wimp, Wimpy? I'll gladly pay you next Tuesday for a cheeseburger today. And a lot of people won't even pay their tithe. Oh, <laughs> oh I just had to throw that in there. We, if you're not careful, Satan will rob you because you don't know what this teaches. Amen. 
A lot of people criticizing the 21-day fast. National known preachers are criticized. You know why they criticize it? Just because they ain't doing it. I mean, some of them think if you ain't, you know, if, if you ain't my ship, we can't fellowship. If you ain't my puddle, you ain't a duck. Praise God, you got feathers and webbed feet and float around the water and quack, you're a duck. Amen. Uh, that's an analogy. You're a Christian. Can you say amen, somebody? And uh, they, they, they sort of act like something wrong. Listen, what's wrong with giving God 21 days at the first of the year as a vow to him to say, this is for you, Lord, to show you that the most important thing in my life is not my flesh, it's not my, my natural appetite, it's not my job, it's not my home, it's not my wife, it's not my kids. It's you, dear God, because when I put you in priority, then that favor comes down on my wife and my kids and my job and my health. Come on, somebody. I've come to tell you it's time to get real with God. That's why we worship on Sunday. You give God the first day and it sanctifies the rest of them. That's why we preach tithing. You give God the first fruits, it sanctifies the rest of it. You give God the first 21 days of the year, look out, hallelujah, favor. Somebody wave your hand and say favor. Come on, wave your other hand and say abundance. Abundance, hallelujah. Tell somebody I'm getting set up. Come on, look somebody and say I'm getting set up for a blessing, hallelujah. Give him a hand of praise. Woo. I know I'm preaching fast, I got a lot to say. Let me hurry, I gotta get done here. The last thing I want to say about the word is the use of the word, the application of the word will really determine, are you ready, your faithfulness to God. I want to tell you, you can't live on a shout. Can't live on a song. Even those, those are great things that, that are great uh, influences and, and strengths for the soul. Can, can I even get out here on a limb and say you can't live on a prayer? Because if you're not in the word, prayer just becomes a wish list. You know, a laundry list of I won't, I won't, I won't, give me, give me, give me. But once the word begins to transform you, you change from saying things like give me to saying use me. Speak through me. Anoint me. You step up with your chest out and say, call me. Like Isaiah, I'll go. Here I am, Lord. I'm available. Hallelujah. I'm available. Not only am I willing, but I'm ready. Anybody ready for God to use you? You'll get ready if you get in the word. Let me go on. The word determines your faithfulness. John 15 and 1. Listen to this. Now, I'm doing good. It's just 5 after 12. Let me hurry. I am the true vine. My father is the husbandman or the farmer of this thing. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes it away. Every branch that bears fruit, he purges it. He prunes it. He trims it up that it can bring forth more fruit. Now, you are clean through the word which I've spoken to you. That's how you get saved. That's how you get pruned. That's how you get trimmed. That's how you stay in shape. Hallelujah. This is one of day vitamins right here. I don't mean one verse. That means... One time with God, or you know, some time. This has to be. I have a part of your life every day. I'll just leave it at that. And uh, uh, verse seven of John fifteen, he said, "If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, 
You shall ask what you will, and it shall be done to you herein. Here, here's how my Father is glorified, that you bear fruit, much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. Now watch this. If you don't bear fruit, you're taken away. If you do bear fruit, you're trimmed and purged. Through the word, you're purged and trimmed and nourished and strengthened. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you start praying and God will do whatever you ask. Because you'll pray according to his will. Now, my father gets glory that you bear much fruit and you'll be my disciple. The point is this. Can I say it? This is the point of what Jesus was saying. Produce or perish. Produce or perish. Jesus told the story of a man that planted a fig tree. He planted it. He nourished it. He trimmed it, pruned it. He watched it. Two, I think it was three years, and it bore nothing. And a servant said to the man that owned the, the vineyard, the farmer, he said, why don't I just cut that stinking fig tree down? I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Because it's just taking up space. We can plant something else there. He said, they ain't doing no good. He said, wait a minute, let's try one more thing. He said, let's dig around it. Let's upset it. That's why sometimes when I preach, I upset you. Because if all I ever do is let you walk out here thinking, oh, look at me. I'm so cool. But if I ever dig around your roots and stir you up and get you convicted about the junk that you're letting stay in your life that God doesn't want there. You know, uh, sometimes people get mad at you. And the reason they get mad at you is because they ain't dead. You can't hurt a dead man. You can't hurt his feelings. You can't, you can't do anything to him. And if they die to the flesh, let me go on. What am I going to do with this fig tree? I'm going to dig around it. I'm going down to Glendon's barn where he's got all them horses and get me some manure and I'm going to fertilize it. Sometimes it gets a little stinky when God's dealing with you. It'll upset your apple cart. Who's that preacher? Thank you. You're one them people in there. <laughs> you smell something. <laughs> Look down. <laughs> Something's going on around you. I'm going to dig around it. I'm going to, I'm going to dung it. He said, I'm going to put manure around it. I'm going, to, I'm going to trim it up one more. I'm going to give it one more season. You know what happened? That tree caught hold of what the farmer was doing. And it began to produce fruit. My desire as a pastor, listen, yes, I love to see the house full. Yes, I love for the offerings to be good and cover the bills and pay me a paycheck and take care of the other needs and our missionaries and do the things we do to help other people. But more importantly, I like to see God, amen, bring light into people's lives that brings them out of sin and a word into their lives that makes them become productive and lets them start to bear fruit because one day you're going to die. And when you do, it doesn't matter how much money you got, how big your stock portfolio is, how many properties you own, because I've never seen a hearse, a, a U-Haul tied behind a hearse. You came with nothing, you leave with nothing, and all that matters is what you've done for Jesus and how your life has produced fruit. That's all that matters. Oh, you can clap right there. Hallelujah. Go ahead. Amen. So this word, this word all of a sudden, it begins to determine our faithfulness. We begin to produce. 
John said, John the Baptist said, the axe in Matthew 3 and 10 is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which doesn't bring forth good fruit is hewn down, cast into the fire. In 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 39, they went out into a field and, and they gathered herbs and found a wild vine and gathered thereof wild gourds, his lap full, and they shred them into the pot and they didn't know what they was. They poured it out for men to eat and it came to pass as they were eating the pottage, they cried out and said, oh thou man of God, listen to this, there is death or there's poison in the pot and they couldn't eat thereof and he said bring some meal bring the word of God the devil may have poisoned your mind poisoned your attitude poisoned your conscience poisoned your feelings toward other people let God let this preacher today put some meal into your pot and the poison will leave hallelujah Will y'all let me just run down a rabbit trail and tell one real quick story? Years ago, I was pastoring right here. I was a young preacher. I was, I was so full of myself. I was. I, man, I, I thought I was all that in a bag of chips. I thought they can't live without me. I was young and dumb. Nothing wrong with being young. Just get over the dumb part. And I was pastoring this church and... I'd went there and the church was real low and we'd started working and man, it was full. It was running over. And I was so happy. I said, look at me. I mean, I'd get up every morning and say, you know, you, you're all right. I, I didn't. Really. I'm just, Gail's, Gail's reeling me in there. I, but I did. I, I felt good about what I was doing. But I'd go to church every Sunday and there's a lady that would sit there. Nick, I couldn't nobody move her. I mean, I tried everything short of dynamite. She would never move. I'd preach, my, I'd preach till my tongue fell out. That's all I could ever get. Never. Not a, nothing. That wore me out. It wouldn't matter that the house was full and people was getting saved. Nobody had ever been baptized and the Holy Ghost had 12 filled in one night. God was baptizing 60-some people who got filled with the Holy Ghost since I'd been there. And I don't know, 70-something had got saved and the church was just booming and we was out of room. And, and I was, Lord, God was doing great things. God was moving awesome. I was in shock more than anything. But that one woman, I'll never forget this. One Sunday, she's, I was getting ready to preach. She waved her hand at me. I thought, she is alive. And she said, can I say something? And I said, yeah. I was a little nervous. I thought, man, she's going to let me have it right here. She stood up and she said, I just want to say something. She said, I've been in this church for years, since the beginning of it. And she said, we've sat down here for months without a pastor because our pastor, the Reverend Milk King, was bedfast and ill. And it had no preaching. Just somebody whoever would that would come in for a little while you know and she said these months you've been here has said you've been preaching and she said i've been like back here like a big dry sponge just soaking it in and soaking it in and she said now i'm full and i can't stand no more and she started shouting tell you I shouted too but I felt about that tall I thought you dummy 
this word always changes everything. Respond to it. Embrace it. I looked around this building this morning. I see a, a number of young people, beautiful young ladies and handsome young men. You listen to this preacher. You listen to me. 21 days. We've set aside that says this time is for God and we're sacrificing. Some are sacrificing social media. I know some of these kids are having a nervous breakdown, but some are sacrificing watching television. Others are giving up pop. Others are fasting total fast, and some doing Daniel fast, and some fasting a meal. Why? 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 Because we want you to understand that there will always be a place in your life, like Daniel and the three Hebrew boys did, that you'll have to make a choice to do what God wants and not what the world says. I want you parents to understand the education system today. And, you know, thank God for teachers. We have some great teachers in here. You know, Nick and Sam and, and Christina and there's others that, that are school teachers. Rachel, they're, they're school teachers. And thank God for them in that school system. But understand that in most of society today, in that culture, when the ball game is over, it's time to go get high. It's time to go have sex. It's time to go party. It's time to go drink. And I want our young people to understand that if you make a vow to God, y'all look at me up here, I'm preaching. Y'all make a vow to God, you young people, that I belong to him. I'm going to stay pure until I'm married. I ain't smoking dope. Turn and high five somebody and say, I ain't smoking dope, praise God. I ain't drinking liquor. I ain't partying. I ain't watching filthy movies. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I, when Sister Moody and I were dating before we were married, I'd never take her to a movie that would embarrass her. Well, you're holding her down. No, she would have killed me. <laughs> She'd have slapped my face to my nosebleed if I took her somewhere like that. It's just the way she was. What are you saying? I'm saying it'll take you deciding. When Daniel and, and those three boys said, we won't eat the king's meat, we won't drink the king's wine, we won't partake of the king's delicacies because of our relationship to our God, and for, for 10 days, they ate nothing but vegetables and drank water, and when the king came back, he said their flesh was fairer and fatter, and again, that word is stronger there. That's a, that's a bad interpretation of the word in the Hebrew. It wasn't fat like chubby. It was fat like stronger. They were fatter, fairer, and, and they, they were more intelligent, and they got promoted in the king's courts. Anybody hearing what I'm telling you? Because they, they made a vow to God and they kept it. Anybody can go with the flow. Amen. You hearing me? As uh, J.T. Alexander so eloquently said, when he was dating Sister Betty Salmons before they married, he said, any old fish can float downstream, but it takes a salmon to go upstream. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> and JT was telling me he'd found a keeper. Can you say amen? Oh, Lord, I love the way y'all look at me when I say stuff like that. God makes a difference if you make a vow. Remember that and keep it. Stand with me this morning. Hallelujah. Glory. In the book of Amos, there's a prophecy. And said,
hope you enjoyed today's message and will tune in again next time. Raising the Standard is the media ministry of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. For more information on the various outreaches and ministries of the Richmond House of Prayer, please visit our website at www.rhop.life. Thanks for listening.